Uh, yeah, so if, if you heard the, the rumors that our dog ran away, those rumors are true, so sad day. Uh, she's, uh, you know, we, we have a son who is a runner, uh, and we have a dog who is a runner, and so it's a super fun household trying to keep those two. Yeah, so uh, she's, she's, she's tagged, she's chipped and stuff, and so if somebody goes through the, the stuff to do that, then it's, you know, it's happened before sometimes. I think the most she was gone was like three, four days, and we got her back eventually, so... Uh, but yeah, so you never know what's going to happen there. Uh, also, uh, on a much brighter note, today is my uh, sixth anniversary. Thank you. I mean, really, you're applauding for Catherine. She's stayed with me for six, six years. Uh, you know, uh, I was talking with someone, I'm not going to name names, but they're like, yeah, we've been married for 62 years. And I go, hey, don't tell Catherine, because that's terrifying. 62 years. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm, I uh, also, before we get started, uh, so I, I need to differentiate. So we have a, a day in November that's called uh, Veterans Day, which is where we celebrate all veterans that are, that are living. Uh, and then today is, or this weekend, uh, tomorrow technically is Memorial Day, where we celebrate all of the veterans who uh, we have lost. And so I just wanted to open up this. I'm going to say a prayer uh, for those, uh, really for the families of those who have been left behind from those who lost military family members. Uh, we have a, a, a healthy lineage of military in my family, uh, grandpas and uncles, and, and so I understand how hard that life can be. So I'm just going to pray for our military, and uh, think, uh, I am thankful for the veterans each and every day, uh, but again, like today, we celebrate those who have passed. So let's pray together. So Father, we are so thankful that there are people that are willing to stand in the gap between us and uh, those who wish to do us harm, or, or even others. And so, God, for those who have passed, who are hopefully with you now, God, we just pray for the families, and, and we just say a prayer of thanks for those who are willing to do that. We have several in this room who are willing to stand in the way, and so, God, we just are so grateful for those who are willing to serve, and uh, all God's people said, amen. 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 So thank you so much for joining us. This is week three of What Does the Bible Say? about whatever topic we're going to talk about. And this week, uh, we're going to talk about what the Bible says about the afterlife. Yay! And some of you might be thinking that, okay, we, we've talked about some fun stuff and some, some scary stuff, right? We talked about abortion, we talked about sex, and it seems like the things we've talked about are how the, the world has drastically different views than what the Bible has. And so that's what we're going to focus on this week, um, is that uh, in spite, really, of the world and everything that they believe, what is heaven and hell like? Right, what is heaven and hell like? And uh, to prove my point that I, I truly believe that the world has, I mean, it's insane really when you think about it, the difference between what the world believes and what the Bible says about heaven and hell. Uh, and if you need to look no further than listening to country music to understand. <laughs> and I, like, honestly, I have to confess something that is, that is deeply disturbing, right? As a pastor, I have to confess to you a sin. Um, I love country music. So. <laughs> like deeply in my soul, it didn't come from my parents. My parents both dislike country music. Well, mom's getting on board, but dad still, no. They're here with us, so thanks for coming, mom and dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, country music, above all other secular genres, they, they sing about God and they sing about 
heaven and trucks and dirt <laughs> and guns and dogs and yeah. And, and they, sing about, they sing about heaven, right? They, they, they do a lot. We have songs like uh, I Believe, which is a really, uh, a really good one. I think it's, it's pretty solid. Uh, Outskirts of Heaven, Go Rest High on That Mountain, right? We have a lot of classic country music that talks about heaven and, and sometimes hell. And, and, you know, and I sing these songs in the car and I listen to them and, and uh, you know, I just, you know, I sing them and I, and I realize that, that what they're saying is, is, is biblically weak at best when it comes to what they're saying. You know, and I think as a matter to, to prove my point, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play us a country song, so. Uh, yeah. My dad wouldn't let me play country music in the house, but guess what? I'm in charge now, Pops. That's right. Yeah. So thanks, Jay, for letting me borrow your guitar. So again, this, this song is not a bad song by any scope of the imagination. It's just the stuff that it, that it sings about isn't, well, some people might think it's a bad song, uh, but it just, it's just, it just misses the mark biblically, right? So Lord, when I die, I want to live on the outskirts of heaven, right? Yeah. Where there's dirt road for miles and hay in the fields, fish in the river, of course, yeah. Where there's dogwood trees and honeybees, blue skies and green grass forever. Lord, when I die, I want to live on the outskirts of heaven. Thank you, thank you. Are there dogwood trees or honeybees or blue skies forever in heaven? Well, let's find out what the Bible says about that. So if I put together all the country songs that I love, uh, what, you know, there's, there's a couple things uh, that we would have an understanding of. One, that everybody wants to go to heaven but nobody wants to go now, right? I'd trade in my mansion for a farmhouse and acreage, right? Be bass fishing and guitar playing inside or outside heaven's city limits. Uh, if I believed everything country music had to say, I'd also believe that there's a floor in heaven where hopefully there's a hole that I can speak to someone through, uh, that perhaps God isn't checking the mail in heaven or that I would visit there if it wasn't so far away. <laughs> so, Let's talk about some common phrases that not just country music, but the world says about heaven or about when people die that we don't know, let's, before we establish, we don't know if they're biblical or not. Okay, so give me some of your thoughts. What are some things that we say about heaven or say about like when people die that we don't know uh, whether or not they're, they're biblically accurate? You guys, okay, Pearly Gates, Golden Streets, okay. All dogs go to heaven, which is true because cats don't. Right? Yeah. Right? Okay, yeah, Lori said, uh, yeah, uh, when, usually when someone dies, they go, oh, heaven gained another angel. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, Peter, yeah, Peter's going to meet us at the gates, okay. Anything else? 
Okay, lamb and uh, laying with the lion. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, what about uh, one of the commonly phrases that I hear from people is, I'd rather be in hell with my friends than in heaven without them. Right? Or we say stuff like, this cake is heavenly, heavenly right? Uh, when, we, when we see a couple that works really well together, we say they're a match made in heaven. heaven. Uh, I've heard people say, well, I know that my grandma is my guardian angel. Uh, also, there, uh, that there's a mansion for me in heaven. Uh, and then, of course, all dogs go to heaven, which we talked about earlier. I have, I have one cat that I think could make it, okay? <laughs> and one cat that if he makes it to heaven, it's not going to be heaven for me, so. <laughs> you guys, and I know you guys have pets that you love more than others. You'll never admit it, but it's true. You have pets that you love more than others. Uh, we're not going to talk about loving your kids more than the other kids, but there's, there's a cat that literally, we have, we have two cats, and one cat, every time he eats, he pukes, okay? And yet he's still like 20 pounds, and I can't figure it out. He has to be eating more than apparently he's throwing up. Uh, so I'm not uh, going to assume that we believe some of the things that uh, we just listed off, um, because I know some of us might. Uh, one, the, the song that I was just singing in, in the second verse, he talks about hanging up his wings in front of his house, and he talks about his, his mansion. He knows there's a mansion for him in heaven. Um, you will not have a mansion for yourself in heaven, okay? Just from a biblical worldview, you are not an angel, and you never will be. You never were. You never will be. Okay? Angels and people are entirely different creatures. And I don't want to burst your bubble if you think that, you know, that that's true, but we're going to look biblically why uh, it's not true. Um, the thing that we know about heaven is basically everything that we value here on earth, we will not value in heaven. When you come face to face with Jesus, nothing else will matter but worshiping him for all eternity. So let's answer the question, what does the Bible say about the afterlife. So let's start with the basics. Our personhood, who we are, is made up of two distinct, really, uh, entities, right? We have our physical bodies and our souls. Are we all in agreement there? Yes? Okay. Some people are like, maybe, maybe not. Let's see where he's going with this. Uh, so immediately after we, we perish, right, our soul is separated from our body, and we will either spend eternity in one uh, or two places. We'll spend it uh, in heaven with Jesus, or we'll spend it in hell with Satan and his minions. Uh, so this is from, uh, we're not going to spend like, time in like one specific passage, but I would encourage you always, always, I want you to know that what I'm saying is, is true from the Bible, so, so take notes, write them down. I'm just going to read these verses, so, uh, but I don't want you to, to flip there. We're going to be in a lot of passages to, to, uh, today. We will spend a lot of time in Revelation because it tells us a lot about heaven, but this is Matthew 25, verse 46. Again, if you're taking notes, he's uh, talking about two, like two different parties. He says, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will have eternal life. So there's this, this separation, eternal punishment and eternal life. For those who believe in Jesus, uh, heaven is, is a comforting fact that our pain here on earth is only temporary. We get to spend eternity with Jesus. Every time Jesus speaks of heaven or hell um, that we have re recorded, we, he actually 
spoke with the knowledge that the Jewish people had of that time. So I was, I was talking with, with Ben this week, Ben Ewing, and he was like, oh, hey, uh, did you know that all of this stuff that Jesus was saying like, was Jewish thought? And I was like, nah, that can't be true. Because like, he said a lot of stuff about heaven and hell that I'm like, well, you know, Old Testament-wise, it doesn't really flesh all this out. So again, I know we've talked about the historian Josephus before, but he was a, he was a Jewish uh, historian, and he just he wrote down, this is what we believe, this is what happened, this is what we don't believe, and stuff like that. And so when he was talking about heaven and, and hell, it, it seemed, again, this is about 100 AD that Josephus is writing, so 60 to 70 years really after uh, Jesus's burial and resurrection. He gives us a window into the common Jewish thought about what afterlife is, and it's crazy because it's almost exactly, exactly what we would believe as followers of Jesus, almost exactly. Uh, So there's a weird passage when Jesus is talking about that there's a rich man and a poor man, and the poor man uh, goes to to heaven, and the the rich man goes, goes to hell, and it says the poor man, he is in Abraham's bosom, which is like, what? Like, what does that mean? Like, that's a weird thing to say. But it was, it was just a, it was a way that they were, they were teaching. It was a place of peace, right? Your, your father's being on your father's your chest. There's this, there's this peace that comes along from that. Whenever our kids are hurt, they want to be picked up, right? They want to lay with us. They want to be comforted. So it's eternal comfort. It's eternal peace. And so that was a common Jewish understanding. So that's why Jesus brought it up. Uh, it also talks about the you know, the torments of Hades and hell, and Jesus's view of the afterlife was that of a Jewish person from 30 AD. They had, really, seemingly, they had the complete understanding of what God's plan was. But what the Jewish people failed to believe and understand was that God's plan was for the entire world, not just for the Jewish people. But it still leads us to ask the question, right, what exactly is heaven? So what do we know about it? What does the Bible say about heaven. This is the fun one, okay? Heaven is the fun part. Uh, We're going to talk about hell here in a minute. Um, I wanted to begin to talk about heaven by simply reading uh, from excerpts from Revelation uh, chapters 20 through 22. So again, I'm just going to, I'm going to say the the verse. I'm going to read it out. And again, if you're taking notes, uh, please uh, write these down. You can come back to them later. So this is a, a revelation from John, right? The disciple whom Jesus loved. And he's talking about the end times, right? Jesus has, has done all these crazy things. So this is the end of the book of Revelation. And he's describing in words that we can understand a place that we can't understand. So John is trying to use words that we can understand to talk about a place that we can't fathom, that we can't even understand. So I'm going to start by reading from Revelation chapter 21. This is verses 21 through 25. It says, And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord uh, God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of a sun or a moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never shut by day, and there will be no night there. Okay, then from Revelation 21, verses 18 and 19. The wall was built of jasper, 
while the city was pure gold, clear as, as glass, the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, and the fourth emerald. Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb uh, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Okay, so what do we know about heaven? There are 12 gates of solid pearl. Has anyone ever seen a pearl so big that it can make a gate to a city? Right, so again, he's trying to use words that we can understand to describe a place that we cannot understand. Okay, uh, the city's made of pure gold, transparent as glass. What? Kind of gold's thing is that it's not transparent. Gold's thing is that it looks like gold, so it's kind of interesting. Uh, that the streets are made of gold and the city's made of gold that's transparent. Uh, there's no temple. Why is there no temple? Because God, the point of the temple was a place so we could come and worship God. So now we're in the place where God is, so we don't need a temple. There's no sun or moon because we have Jesus. And when I was thinking about that, um, you know, if you're, in, if you're part of Ben's Bible study on Thursday night, we're, we're going to get to the part where, where Moses receives the Ten Commandments. He goes to be in uh, communion with God. He goes to be with God. And when he comes down off the mountain, they have to put the veil over his head, right, because he's shining so brightly. Just being in the presence of God made him, like, glow. And so when we're in heaven, the, the glory of God, his glowing will just fill every area. We won't need any external source of light because there's so much light emanating from Jesus. The walls are built of jasper. Uh, the walls of the city are adorned with every kind of jewel, jasper, sapphire, agate, and emerald. Um, I'm kind of a simpleton. I'm not that bright sometimes. I had to Google what jasper looked like because I had no idea. So if, uh, if you're out there like, what's jasper look like? You're not alone, okay? I had to do it too. Uh, the river of, of the water of life was bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God. I've seen a lot of rivers in my life, and none of them have been as bright as crystals. And there's the tree of, of life yielding its fruit. So it's more beautiful than any of us could ever imagine. It's more intricately designed than any of us could ever imagine. The other thing that I think is crazy is here on earth, uh, we're trying to hoard is really, you know, we today we wouldn't try to get emeralds or, or jasper. Some of us might still be into hoarding gold. Uh, but for the most part, we're, we're just, uh, you know, the world is trying to hoard wealth, all the things that I can. And yet in heaven, God uses gold, such rare gold that it's transparent, to make the, the streets, the stuff that we walk on. Because money is not important. So that the timeline is, is kind of hard to explain about the book of Revelation. It's, it's, it's difficult because um, John describes an event, and then he's got to go back and talk about how we got there, and then he describes another event, and then he, well, hey, before I get there, let me come back. Do you, do you have anybody that tells stories like that? Like, like they start to tell you a story, and like, well, Lisa was there, and Jessica. Well, first I got to tell you about Jessica's husband, and then it's like, okay, well... 
There's too many people in the story. Just tell me the people I'm supposed to care about, okay? Uh, and that's kind of what John does when he's telling this story and this goes forward and backwards and, and it's kind of hard to understand the timeline. And I'm not here to try to explain that. I'm just trying to get us in, in basic understanding of what heaven is going to be like, what the end times with the Lord will be like. Um, the thing that I think is the most important is that Paul tells us, and he re- reiterates several times, but this is from 2 Corinthians 5.8. He said that he would rather be in heaven than on earth. And if you don't, like, like I love my wife and kids and my life here, but if God, when God calls you to heaven, you won't be like, oh, I wish I was back on earth. Every time we see that in movies or in books where they're like, man, I just want to go back that is not what it's like. Heaven is full of stuff we can't even imagine. Clear gold, crystal waters, jasper walls, pearls as big as city gates. The creator, God, went all out on this place, knowing that it's going to be eternally uncorruptible, uncorruptible, and thus it will eternally hold its beauty. Uh, it's kind of like uh, Catherine and I are, you know, we were like, what kind of when we moved, we realized that we were, we were downgrading the size of our house pretty significantly, and we we're like, okay, our couch won't fit in our new house, so we need to get a, a new couch, but we have a, a two-year-old and a three-year-old, so do we spend $10,000 on a finely cushioned couch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? So it's the same. We understand that our house currently is corruptible. Everything that we have will be broken. Uh, we can try to tell them, hey, don't stand on the couch. Don't play on the couch. Uh, you know, there's, yeah, right. Whatever it is, don't jump on the couch. But we understand that kids are kids. Stuff is going to happen. And so that's the way that the Lord built this earth. He understood that stuff was going to happen. And so he didn't, he didn't buy the $15,000 couch earth, right? He bought the, the $1,500 new couch earth, right? So that he knew that we would corrupt it it's still beautiful. That's the crazy part. You walk out this door and you look at the mountains. You go to the ocean and you look at that. But there's always a part of us that says, this is gorgeous. This is beautiful. But I still feel like there's something that's more beautiful. There's always like that. There's always something that's missing. And that is our longing for heaven where God has created something that's completely perfect, completely uncorruptible, because he knows it will be that way in perfection forever. Everything here on earth is passing away, but the beauty that heaven uh, is described at the end of Revelation, that is forever. It's for all eternity. Uh, Some other facts that the Bible teaches us about heaven, if you're taking notes. uh, I don't really have time to break these down further because I only get two hours in the morning with you guys. (laughs) Thanks for laughing. Okay, uh... (laughs) John 14, 2, right? Jesus tells his disciples that there's a house with many rooms in heaven and that he's preparing a room for us. It's not a mansion. It's a house with many rooms. So we get to live in a commune together. Some of you say, amen. How? You introverts are like, what? Why? First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verses 7 and 8 tells us that we can't take anything with us. That's another common phrase that I forgot to mention. You can't take anything with you when you go. Can't take any. That was 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Uh, we got Revelation chapter 7, verses 15 and se- uh, through 17. Uh, again, that's Revelation 
chapter 7. I'll give you my notes later if you want to look this stuff up too. Uh, But it tells us that there's no more hunger, thirst, or scorching heat. He makes it abundantly clear. He throws that in there, which is kind of interesting. It's like, okay, no more scorching heat. I get it. Well, there's no sun. There's no sun to beat down on us and, and make it crazy hot. Um, you know, I was talking with, with one of my friends this week, and we we're talking about oh, what's, what's the temperature set in heaven, right? Because if we asked some of the people in this room, the thermostat's set to 74, 75. But if we ask some other people like me, 68, right? <laughs> So, I, I, you know, who knows what the temperature is going to be in heaven, but there's no, at least there's no scorching heat. We got that, okay? Uh, Psalm 1611. So, uh, David, the psalmist, he's talking about being in the presence of Jesus, and he says, we will have the fullness of joy just being in his presence. So, joy like you have never experienced in this life, you never can experience, you will have in the presence of Jesus. And in Matthew 22, verses 30 through 32, uh, Jesus is, he's talking with some, some Pharisees about stuff, and uh, he talks about the fact that there is no marriage in heaven. You're not married when you get there, and you're not married there. So there's no marriage in heaven. And some of you are like, hallelujah. Uh, <laughs> it's my anniversary, and I'm like, man, I, I want to be married to my wife for all eternity. She's so amazing. And she's like, <laughs> but some days I think that she's like, I can't wait to die to get away from, till death do us part, can't come soon enough. Um, but this, this is, I think this one's really important because, again, we have this, this misunderstanding of what relationships are when, when we go to heaven. I, you know, it says that we'll, we'll know each other, we'll, we'll see each other, we'll know each other, but all of our, all of the baggage and, and if you're married, you have baggage, amen? Uh, so all of the baggage that we have is, is wiped away. No tears. no tears, yeah. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit too. There's no tears or sorrow or, or guilt. So every, all of the relationships that we have here on earth are the perfect relationships in heaven where we don't, need, we don't need to procreate anymore, so we don't need marriage anymore in heaven. Um, so there you go. Uh, no gray hairs, that's right. Um, <laughs> So heaven from a biblical view is an eternal place where everything is perfect. Our bodies are perfect. Our life is perfect. We spend our eternity free from sorrow, guilt, shame, sin, death, tears, loss. And we get to live in the presence of the one true holy God and serve him for all eternity. And I believe that that is why we are drawn to fantastical things and beautiful things. But this place is more fantastical and real than anything that Disney could ever imagine or create. It is, when, when we try to experience those things here on earth, it's our attempt to experience heaven. We are longing for heaven. Our souls are longing to be with Jesus, which is why we create those things. Um, on the other hand, I don't think anyone is trying to recreate hell except maybe the government. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I think it's accidental, but they're doing a pretty good job sometimes. Okay, I don't want to get too political, but yeah, there you go. Uh, so what does the Bible say about hell, right? Heaven's beautiful, perfect, amazing. It's eternal. It's perfect. It's amazing. We all want to go there. We realize that. 
Did I say eternal enough? It's forever. Um, Basically, everything that heaven is, hell isn't. Everything that hell or that uh, heaven is, hell isn't. In heaven, right, we're told there's no more sorrow, no more tears. Where hell is an eternity of what Jesus described as weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. He said it a couple times. Again, if you're taking notes, I'm going to read these kind of fast. Sorry, Karen. Uh, Matthew 13, 42, Matthew 8, 12, Matthew 13, 50, Matthew 22, 12, Matthew 24, 51, Matthew 25, 30, Luke 13, 28. I'll give you my notes later. So this is, why does he keep saying it? Because he wants us to know it and believe it. Right? As a parent, when our kids don't do what we say, we go, how many times do I have to tell you? So Jesus, that's what he's doing. He's like, it's, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, and he, he goes into greater detail, but for all eternity. So just those two things, we're like, okay, I don't want to go there. If you, if you were invited to a barbecue, and you're like, hey, what should I bring? Someone goes, well, just get ready to cry. You're going to cry the whole time. You're just going to be weeping. And uh, for a meal, we're just going to be grinding our teeth. That's it. <laughs> you're like, I'll pass, right? No, thanks. Don't want to go to your barbecue. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, in heaven, right, we have no need of a son because we're in the presence of the Son of God, the Lord God Almighty's presence. But in, he- in hell, we're told that there is an unquenchable fire, right? Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 says, They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. Matthew 25, verse 41, he says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Jude 1, 7 says, Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued a natural desire, served as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. So hell is an eternal punishment for the temporary decisions we made here on earth. Some people, mm, some people believe that hell is where your soul goes to die. But biblically, it is a place where we go to be tormented for all eternity. There is no end. There's no waiting it out. It is literally an eternity of regret, shame, pain, fear, anxiety, and all the other emotions that we hate to experience in this life. A lot of times when we're going through tough things here on earth, the, the biggest encouragement that we can get is if there's nothing we can do to change it is, you know, hey, it's not forever. We have, this is just a season. We'll get through it. But in hell, it's a forever season. It's not a place where we would ever choose to go. Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And in Luke 16, Jesus tells us again about the rich man who goes to Hades or hell and a poor man who goes to paradise, and the rich man is tormented in eternally scorching heat. 
That's why John tells us that in heaven there will be no scorching heat. Because in hell there will be. Does that make sense? As unimaginable as heaven is amazing, hell is equally as unimaginably terrible. Devoid of hope or meaning, it is awe-less. It is awe-full where heaven is awesome. If all of your friends went to hell and you had a chance to go to heaven and you got to see it for yourself, what heaven and hell are, you wouldn't even debate it for a minute. Hell is eternal fire. Heaven is eternal crystal rivers. Hell is eternal punishment. Heaven is eternal peace. Hell is eternal darkness and despair. Heaven is perfect light and eternal joy. There should be no question to us where we should want to go. There is nothing that hell has to offer us that should be tempting to us. There is nothing that hell has to offer us that should be tempting to us. Even for a fleeting moment. So why do people still go to hell? Jesus paid our way for us to go to heaven, and yet a majority of the people that we know, um, they're dying and they're going to go to hell. And it's a depressing fact that should jar us into telling more people about Jesus. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. It says, Then I saw, again, this is John, he's writing about what's going to happen. It said, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Again, we don't time to really break down what all this means. But just verse 15 says, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. All the things that we're doing in this life are being recorded. And for some of us, that, that should be startling. Uh, for all of us. But Jesus' work on the cross paid for all of the stuff that we've done that was written in the book. And when we come to our faith and knowledge and belief in Jesus, our name is written eternally in the book of life. And all of the stuff, the bad decisions, the temporary bad decisions that we make here on earth, those bad decisions are paid for by the work of Christ. I'm going to call the worship team back up because I'm running out of time, you will either be judged by your words and deeds or by the work of Christ on the cross. There is no other option. Uh, we still have to give an account of our words and deeds, but our faith in Christ secures our name in the book of life. From beginning to end, remember, it's all about 
Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. He isn't our get out of hell free card. He is the almighty God who has prepared a place for us if we want to be with him. So my question to you all is, uh, do you want to spend eternity with Jesus? I hope the answer is yes. I hope so. Uh, if it is heaven, you can, you know, if you haven't put your faith in Christ, if you haven't been baptized, uh, there's no better day than today. And so if you want to make that decision, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to talk with you. If you still have that communication card, write that down. You know, hey, I want to talk to someone uh, about putting my faith in Christ. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter gets done. He's preaching the sermon uh, to this crowd of, of uh, Jewish leaders and people, and he says, hey, remember that guy that you crucified? That was Jesus, the Messiah. And they, they have this deep longing of, 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 they have this deep regret. They go, how then can we be saved? And Peter tells them, repent and be baptized. I want each and every one of you to spend the afterlife with Jesus and his followers. And it begins, it begins the day we put our faith in him and we get baptized, uh, submitting our covenant with him, repenting of our sins. That's our first step in walking with Jesus for all eternity. Heaven doesn't start when we die. Heaven starts when we make that decision to follow him. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to sing to Jesus. So, Father, we just ask that you would help us all to focus on the things that are important to you, not to, not to us. God, you are so mighty, so so grandiose. Heaven is such a beautiful, amazing place, and hell is the total opposite. So God, help us to bring as many people with us as we can into heaven. God, help us to live for you so that we can spend all eternity with you. Thank you for paying for our sin. God, you're way, way more gracious than we could ever even imagine, so thank you for paying for all of it. God, we love you. We're excited to spend eternity with you, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.